0: Hey, what's up, Mets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and I can't wait to get back into talking about the New York Mets. I'd first like to apologize for the delay in episodes since last episode. It's been the holiday season, so I've been a little busy, but I am back and ready to talk Mets more than ever. So on today's episode, I'd first like to start by taking a look at the recent moves the San Diego Padres have made this week and how the Mets can take a page out of their books when aiming to build for the future and build continued success. And then in the second half of the show, I want to dive into the multiple and conflicting reports about Trevor Bauer and the sort of contract he's looking for and what that means for the Mets when trying to sign him. Now, before we begin, I just want to let you all know that I am on Twitter at PodMets. On this Twitter, I post updates and news about the podcast and love to interact and talk Mets and baseball with fans like you. So head on over and be sure to follow at PodMets on Twitter. Alright, so to start, like I said, I want to talk about the three major moves that the San Diego Padres made earlier this week and how that can really translate to the Mets and their new philosophies and their new front office. And hopefully if the Mets go along the same path that the Padres are working on right now, the Mets can see continued and major success in their future. So the first move that the Padres made was trading for ace Blake Snell. So, for Blake Snell, they sent right-hand prospect pitchers Luis Patino and Cole Wilcox, as well as prospect catchers Francisco Mejia and Blake Hunt. Now, just breaking down each of these players, Patino is 21 years old, he can pitch in the upper 90s, he struggled a little bit in the majors last year but has been great in the minors, and he is the number 23 overall prospect in the MLB. Wilcox is a 21-year-old again right-hand pitcher who was a third round pick in 2020 so he's still very young with some upside. Mejia is 25 years old. He hasn't been super consistent in the majors in his career as he came up with Cleveland and then obviously was in San Diego and now he is with the Tampa Bay Rays so hopefully he can pick it up and you know turn his career around but again he's still pretty young 25 years old and then finally with Blake Hunt, he is 22, he's a power hitter, he's got a strong arm, and he's very young. So, already off the bat, you see, the Padres had an excess of young, good prospects that they could send over to the Rays for an ace like Blake Snell, and, you know, honestly, Blake Snell is a top pitcher, and this was a very easy deal, it seems like, to make. They sent over four top prospects, one of them, Mejia, who is a little bit older and hasn't been, like I said, very consistent. So, already, right off the bat, with just this first deal that the Padres, made you can see how because of their farm system and because of the players that they have in place they can throw four players into a deal and grab an ace very easily the next move that the Padres made was not a trade but a signing, and an international signing who actually the Mets were supposedly interested in in ha Kim. He is a Korean baseball star. They signed him to a 4-year, $25 million deal. He was great before 2019, but he really took off in the 2019 season, and since then in the past 2 seasons, he's hit 307, 393, and 500 with 49 homers, as well as going 56 56- 62 in stolen base attempts. Now, obviously, as I talked about last episode with Tamayuki Sagano, playing overseas internationally or in any other league besides the MLB, it's a tough transition because the MLB is seen as the top league with you know obviously the top pitchers. So I don't know how high I would have been on the Mets signing Kim, but the Padres still are able to attract these players, are able to bring these players in on not a very expensive deal at all. Four years, $25 million. They're just taking a chance. They're saying, hey, you know, come play second base for us because I think that's where the Padres are supposedly going to have him play. They're saying, hey, we know you are a very great power hitter. You can steal bases. You can hit for average, hitting 307 in the past two seasons with 49 homers and, again, 56 stolen bases. So he's clearly a all around great player at the plate and they're saying hey we'll toss you four years 25 million dollars if it works out it works out if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out again kind of going along with this philosophy which i'm going to get into more but spending on free agents sort of earlier in the rebuild process quote unquote and then building your farm system to trade players and i'm going to get really into that philosophy in just a little bit after i go over the last move they made but you can see now that since they're at this point where they're really just making trades for these big players they can sign these more risky players from, you know, Korea, from the Korean Baseball League, from the KBO, instead of signing some of the big name free agents on the market, take a chance, but they still have a good enough team and a good enough farm system that they can take that risk. Now, the final move that the Padres made was trading for star pitcher Yu Darvish. So the Padres traded with the Cubs for Yu Darvish, who has had a great illustrious career and especially last season he was the runner-up for the Cy Young so he is still just as good as ever obviously so, the Padres received pitcher Yu Darvish and catcher Victor Caratini, who is Darvish's personal catcher and cash considerations from the Cubs, for five players. So, one of them was Major League pitcher Zach Davies, and then outfield prospects Owen Casey and Ismael Mena, and shortstop prospects Reginald Preciado and Jason Santana, who are all four in the top 20 of the Padres system. So, breaking down these trade pieces... Zach Davies has a great changeup and had his best season last season, pitching to a 273 ERA with a 107 whip and 63 strikeouts in only 69.1 innings pitched. Casey is an outfielder. He's 18 years old and was the top Canadian prospect coming into the draft this past season. He's got good power and is a decent corner outfielder. So, you know, he's 18 years old. He's got a lot of potential there. Mena is another outfield prospect with good hitting ability and he is an ability. Above average defender. Preciado is one of the two shortstop prospects sent over. He's a switch hitter with good hitting ability as well as having a strong and accurate arm. And then finally, Santana, the other shortstop prospect, has good hitting ability and good range and arm strength in the field. So, once again, just like the Snell trade, it's clear that the Padres have an excess of talent. They sent over four young high potential prospects who were only in the top 20 of the Padres system. They weren't one of the four top 100 in the MLB prospects that the Padres have. So they weren't even sending over their best prospects to the Cubs. And in addition to that, the Cubs also received Davies, who's an MLB ready, had his best season last season pitcher. So once again, and as I was just saying, the Padres philosophy has shown how building a farm system can net you great, great players, MLB top MLB level players. So why am I bringing all of these deals up? Because, you know, frankly, none of them have anything to do with the Mets. The Mets weren't really in the running to trade for Snell. There were minor rumors early on in the offseason about the Mets trading for Darvish. And with Kim, there was some, again, minor interest between the Mets and Kim, but they were never really connected to any of these players. So why do I bring this up? Because I think that these moves, like I said, give the Mets an idea of the direction they should try and move in. Using prospects to acquire very good players is a great tactic, especially after you go on a few... a few seasons of signing top players. So in the past, the Padres signed Manny Machado to a major deal. They signed Eric Hosmer, and those pieces came sort of one at a time. They signed Hosmer, and then they signed Machado, and now they've moved to the point where they have such a good farm system because they focused on the signings at first. They can use this big, deep farm system that they have to trade for Blake Snell, to trade for you, Darvish. And I think this is a really good tactic and a really good style of movement in a semi-rebuild. Because again, I don't think the Mets are in as much of a rebuild as the Padres kind of are and are sort of finishing up now. But I think that the Mets could take a page out of their book and say, hey, let's not shop away all of our prospects now and just go for the talent on the market right now and instead make some big signings. We've got a huge influx of cash. Go for all of the free agent players now and then worry about trades in the future once the farm system has been replenished. Additionally, with the Padres, you see that their homegrown talent from their prospects is great too, with Fernando Tatis Jr. being one of the top superstars in the league. So that's another point to make in saving the farm system. And again, after all these deals, Steve Cohen took to Twitter to say that the Mets don't have as good of a farm system as the Padres do, so they really can't make as many of these big trade moves as the Padres have. He said, hey, give the Padres credit. They have a top five farm system that gave them the flexibility to trade for Snell. Newsflash, the Mets farm system needs to be replenished. So, for the future, what is this really saying for the Mets? Is this saying that they're not going to trade at all this offseason, or not going to trade at all in the future? I don't really think so. Again, I've highlighted multiple trades for some top-level players, and I really do think that the Mets would help out their team by trading for a Francisco Lindor or a Nolan Arenado. I don't think those would hurt the team at all, and I think that would be great for right now. But, and again, this was a facet of all of the trades that I discussed, they involved major league talent. And I think that the Mets honestly wouldn't be too harmed by trading Major League talent. They have an excess of infielders, including Rosario, Davis, and even McNeil or Smith, but hopefully that isn't the case because I think they are sort of part of the core of the Mets team right now. But I think Davis and Rosario are sort of expendable for the Mets, and they can move them and replace them through free agency, or again, they would likely be replacing either of those players through a big trade but they shouldn't really focus on trading any of their prospects. I know some of the trades that I discussed involved prospects, but you know, now that I've taken a look and seen how the Padres work, I think it's better to just save as many prospects as possible, build that farm system, build as much talent as you can down there, and then maybe the Mets in a few years or next year or whenever will be able to send eight different prospects to two different teams for two top top trade targets and pitchers in the league or players in the league. So that's really just what I like to take away from these trades that the Padres make or the style of offseason that they're going for right now. I think that they've done their free agent part in the past, you know, going for some top free agents, which is sort of where the Mets are right now with their new money that they have. But in the future, they can focus on trades and trading for top players once their farm system has been replenished and has been built. So I really like that comparison and and looking at the way that the Padres worked this offseason. And I'm hoping that the Mets sort of take a page out of their book and go for that free agency shifting into trading and building that farm system for the future. Now, before I get into talking about Trevor Bauer and the news that is surrounding him, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Alright, and welcome back. So, now I'm going to be talking a little bit about some news surrounding Trevor Bauer. Nothing major, no, no news to report, but an interesting... Exchange between Trevor Bauer and John Heyman on Twitter, which kind of hints at where he is going to go contract wise. So, recently, John Heyman tweeted saying that teams that are interested in Bauer suggest that he's looking for a five to six year deal that would be in the range of 36 to 40 million dollars per year, ending up to be about 200 million dollars for the total deal. In the past, Bauer's been super, super adamant about only seeking one-year deals, and he it was even reported that he told a close friend that if he ever signed a multi-year deal, he'd let his friend shoot him in the groin with a paintball gun from 10 feet away. So, obviously, these two reports kind of conflict. The past report that Bowers only seeking a one-year deal, and now Heyman saying he's looking for a five-to-six-year deal, doesn't really make much sense. So, this was a very interesting report to originally read, but then... After John Heyman tweeted this, Bauer responded to the tweet saying, quote, John, thank God for you. I'm learning so much about my free agency from your tweets. Keep them coming. So this is an interesting development because Bauer seems to be saying that the report is incorrect in the five to six year deal being what he's looking for. But he never really points to what kind of deal he is looking for. He never says no five to six year deals, only one year deals. He just said that the five to six year deal range was wrong. So a multi-year deal is still sort of in the cards, I guess, unless he definitely 100% is only sticking to that one-year deal. So what does this mean for the Mets? Obviously, if you've been listening to the podcast before, I am all in on Bauer. I really think he would be great for the Mets for a multitude of reasons, but I would really rather have him on a multi-year deal than a one-year deal. It'd be nice to just lock him up for a few years instead of having him and his skills for only one season and then possibly have him walk away just as the Reds saw this past season and a half I guess technically since they had him for half a season last year. So the deal that Heyman outlined for five to six years in my opinion is a little too expensive to take if that's sort of actually the truth of what's going on. As good as Bauer's been as of late and his past really two- two and a half three seasons he for his career generally notches low four ERAs so I don't think a five-year 200 million dollars is exactly in the cards for him but I think maybe a four-year deal worth 30 million dollars a year would be better suited for him I think that since he is trending upwards he's going to land himself in the range of 30 million dollars per year but I just think that 35 to 40 million dollars is going to be tough to swing especially for the Mets who are trying to be smart about this offseason. Again, like I say over and over again, uh, Steve Cohen does not want to spend money like a, quote, drunken sailor. So I don't think that giving him five years 200 million dollars is really lining up with that mindset I think that the Mets signing maybe a four year 30 million dollars a year deal with him would be not too terrible of a deal it'd be still a pretty large deal for Trevor Bauer you know maybe they could go a little more over 30 because he's definitely going to be looking for a deal in that range I just don't think that 40 million dollars a year if that's really kind of what he's looking at is exactly going to be worth it for the Mets based on his career. Now, like I said, he's definitely trending upwards. So I think maybe even if they were going to go for a five to six years deal, keep it on the lower side of the 30 to $40 million range, maybe like 30 to 35 and have 35 be the max. So that's just kind of where I'm looking at it from this report. And on top of all of this, the Mets really just don't want to limit themselves since George Springer, someone I've talked about time and time again, is still out there and will also be looking for a big deal. So I think if the Mets are smart about their money and they can sign Bauer to a deal that matches what he's looking for, or at least lands in the range of what he's looking for without going too far and being too crazy with their money and going in giving him too big of a deal, I would be very happy with that. But it's just definitely interesting to see these reports from the five to six years up to $40 million versus Trevor Bauer saying that's not exactly what he's looking for and maybe wanting the one-year deal. I think there's a lot of ways to look at this, and it'll be interesting to see how the Mets and Trevor Bauer decide to go during this offseason. So let me know what you think about the Padres philosophy and the way they've been running their off seasons the past few years and what the Mets can take from that or what you think a solid deal would be for Trevor Bauer. Both topics are definitely interesting things to consider especially since they can help determine the way the Mets 2021 season will go as well as their future beyond that. So let me know what you think again at PodMets on Twitter and that's going to be it. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Be sure to follow again at PodMets on Twitter, and be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to it to always get the episodes as soon as they drop. So once again, thank you so much for listening, and as always, let's go Mets!